Jenny, I'm glad you mentioned Mike Picanato. I actually saw Mike this week. He was at district conference, and he said a lot of really nice things about you, but don't worry. I straightened him out. I told him what you're really... No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. No, you guys are, are wonderful. He said how welcoming you were, and uh, what a great church, so thank you for doing that. I was able to go out to dinner with him, and we had some laughs and uh, to catch up, and I, I really didn't know Mike until uh, this week, and so it was a good opportunity to spend time with him and with other pastors. Uh, down in Elk River this week, so thank you for allowing me to do that. Well, as we uh, continue on, in what book are we in again? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. All right, good. That's what I prepared for, so I was hoping that was right, because if it was something else, uh, I'd be in big trouble. No. Hopefully, as I was reflecting back on this week and looking through that, there is so much that's in here, and hopefully that you're not just taking the message uh, each and every week and saying, all right, that's it, that's great, Charlie, and, and I, I heard a good message. I'm hoping that you're taking it and studying a little bit deeper, because really, even in a, in a small time on a Sunday morning, we're just scratching the surface. There is so much there, and there's layers, and it builds on each other, and so my encouragement is that you take some time and really study out Second Corinthians, because it's uh, rich in theology, but it's rich in encouragement, and there's a lot going on. And again, I try to give you some background and some key words, and, and hopefully that resonates, when you, resonates with you when you go through it. So if, I, if you were thinking of chapter 1 and I said the word comfort, what comes to mind? What, what would, you know, when I say that, because we've been, it's been a while since we've done chapter 1, but comfort. Holy Spirit gives us comfort. Is it comfort for ourselves? For others, right, yeah. Right. How about if I say ambassador? What, what do you think when I say ambassador? We're ambassadors, right? We're ambassadors for Christ. We're to represent him to a lost and dying world and actually even to each other, right? We should see that within our brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that we're a good representation there. What about if I said the word reconciliation? It's a $10 word, but yeah. Confession, yeah, it quite often it leads to confession, right? There, something has to be reconciled, to be brought back, and there, there's things that stay in the way of that, right? Unforgiveness, um, but even this uh, relationships get hurt by those things, and so to reconcile is a, a process quite often, right? And walking in that forgiveness in first and Paul says that to the church, right? We, we had that example of the immoral brother in First in Corinthians. And then he repented and came back, and the church wasn't receiving him. And Paul rebuked him for that, right? He says, you need to welcome him back. He's done the right steps. Now welcome him back into the fellowship. And we talked a little bit about that, receiving people back into relationship. I was reminded this week, another total different study, but it was talking about that even though we reconcile a relationship and we allow them back in, there's still consequences sometimes for some of the actions. It's not a, a right back to the exact same spot that they were in. But still, the relationship needs to be worked on and furthered on. And so there's examples of that as well. Paul also had this problem of keeping his word, right? At least the outside world thought that he wasn't keeping his word, right? The, the church was upset with him because he had passed them by. And Paul explained why he didn't do that. And so he needed to be reconciled back in fellowship with them. He had critics. I know it's hard to believe. Paul had critics in his day, right? It's hard. If you read all the letters that, that Paul wrote, there's always a, usually a reference to some of the critics. They either 
criticize his authority or they criticize the word that he said or, or didn't say. And uh, so Paul was always running on that edge of establishing himself. We also talked about, we spent two weeks talking about generosity, right, and, and giving those two and how they work together and having that spirit, right? Spirit of generosity and how important it is to give. And then last week, we talked about not losing that steam, right? Sometimes when we start a project or we make a commitment, sometimes we run out of, out of gas or we don't persevere to the end. And so Paul was encouraging that church, hey, don't, you said you were going to give, don't lose so that you may give abundantly. And we spent some time with that last week. That generosity was encouraged. and uh, It was a good pastoral nudge from from one church to another. We even talked about a little bit about the competition, right? That competition wasn't surprised bad when it was encouraging these churches to give, not for themselves and not for any prize, but to give so that the church in Jerusalem would have their need met. And so now we're all the way up to chapter 10, starting a new chapter today. And um, Linda asked me earlier today, she says, what's your theme? And I had that blank look on my face like, well, I really hadn't thought about a theme. I, I barely get a title out, so a theme uh, is tough. But I said, well, what comes to mind first is humility and gentleness. And she says, perfect, I've got the songs for that, um, which is good because we don't coordinate that here at Pointway. And she mentioned that it's amazing how they all come together. All right, we're talking about surrendering and and things this morning, and coming to God, and putting ourselves under his authority, and certainly Paul does that here, and does it right in the very beginning, and so if we're going to mark down a theme, we'll put that as the theme this morning, because it is the backdrop to what he says. So verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. Paul's doing a couple things here. He's addressing people that he knows, and he's reminding them of how he was when he was with them. And again, he has critics. Paul has people who are criticizing him and says, well, he's one way when he writes his letters, and he's another way when he's face-to-face, and the two don't match up. And Paul is going to pull these two together and say, I'm the same person. I have the same relationship. And whether I'm correcting you or being gentle and soft and loving to you, it's the same. I care about you. Therefore, I speak to you the way I do. And so Paul is reminding them. In fact, he he names himself in it, right? I, Paul, who am timid, right? When I think of Paul, I don't often think of that timidity, right? Because all we have is the image of these letters of correction. But yet we know that Paul was someone that was loved. Someone that had to go through a lot of trials. And so Paul had that in him as well. He struggled just like we struggle. And so he comes to them and he reminds them of who he is. Verse 2, he says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. So we get that hint there, right? There's these critics that are criticizing him, saying that Paul is living one way, but he's not being true to who he really is. And Paul's saying, no, I'm just the opposite, right? And he's saying, no, I am the same. I'm, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Uh, the battle that we all struggle with. We see that in verse 3. He says, for though we live in this world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Remember what I was saying earlier about diving deeper? You probably could build a sermon pretty easy off these, these two verses alone. There's, there's a lot here that could be developed and, and strengthened. So really encourage you to study it. But to, to give you a little bit, um, we do have to live in this world as believers. There are days that we don't want to. There's days I don't want to. I'm done struggling with with people. And and again, not talking about you as a church family, but people in the outside world, people that are not believers. Every time I travel, I seem to to run into a lot of those people that are harsh or rude or crude. And man, it's just, it's tough sometimes. To be honest, I just want to get away, right? Let me go out on the boat by myself or alone somewhere out in the woods and take a walk. Just get away from people. But we're not called to be that way. As believers, right? We are to interact with this world. We're to be that testimony. We're to be that ambassador to the world around us. And I love how verse 4 gives us that reminder, right? It's not the physical, right? It's the spiritual. It's a spiritual battle that's going on. And we really have to be reminded of that because so many times we get caught up with the, the person or the people and we, we think if we could just eliminate that person, things would be better. Oh, come on, I'm not the only one that thinks that, right? You're all looking at me like, right? No, right? We, we've all had that thought, right? If this person was just out of my way, things would be perfect. I'm not going to ask you how many have thought that about your wives or, or kids or, No but in all seriousness, right? Sometimes we think it's, and we get caught up with the person. If this person would just get it or just straighten out, things would be perfect. And no, that's not true, right? And it's not the battle with the person, it's the spiritual battle that's going on within them and within us. Don't miss that part, right? It's really usually a spiritual battle that's going on within us, right? We're, we're struggling with that person because we're having our own internal struggles, if we could be honest. And we need to wrestle with God and flush those things out. I think that's why he puts in here that, that power to those, those strongholds. Those strongholds in our own lives, we really don't like in others. Right? We tend to flip it on people quite often. And so um, Paul is addressing that here. Verse 5, he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension... Yeah, can't even say that word this morning. Help me out. (laughs) Pretension, thank you. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Again, there's, there's a lot here, right? But it says we demolish every argument, right? And again, we take them, that, that those thoughts that are captive, those thoughts that want to get us uh, into trouble quite often in an argument. I've often said this, I've yet to argue anyone into the kingdom, right? It usually doesn't work. Once I start arguing with them or debating them, I, I, I'm already lost, all right? I'm already, I'm already working from a deficit. I don't argue well anyways, and uh, although some may disagree, but again, it's usually from a, a point of pride and not a good spot to be arguing from. 
And so, and again, especially when it's a spiritual thing. Now, I know there's a place for, you know, apologetics, and I'm not saying that that's not valuable, but when dealing with an outside world, arguing doesn't work, or it's not very effective at best. But I also love how he says here, it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Cannot replace the knowledge of God, right? We, we need to be in God's word, we need to be studying it, we need to be putting it into practice, be in tune with God as well, that relationship, so that we can use that knowledge, right? Then use that to those reminders, use those things that, that is truth. Those are the only things that are going to pierce through. I also love his reference to taking captive every thought, right? There's, he mentions that in 1 Corinthians as well, right? Our thoughts, our, our thought lives are, are a troubled place many times, right? And, and the idea is taking that thought and, and holding it and, 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 and keeping it under control. Think about how many times when you're in an argument, right, and, and you, you don't, right, and, and things just go sideways or they get out of control pretty quick because we haven't kept those things right? Kept them under control. We have a running joke in our house that it's good that we don't say everything that we think. And uh, it's not a bad practice, right? Sometimes just because we think it, it doesn't mean we, we need to necessarily say it. We need to make it obedient. And then he wraps this section up. He says, and we'd be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You know, that, that, that goal, if you wanted to make a goal, is, is, is for that obedience to be complete. It's to be uh, in God and, and with God so much that everything that we do is in obedience to what God wants us to do, step by step, as Joe mentioned, right? Walking with God. And again, there is plenty there this morning. I could just stop here with that first paragraph, and we would be well if we could just grasp all that Paul is saying. But he gives us even more. Verse 7, you are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to these Christ just as much as they do. Remember, he's got these critics, he's got this argument going on, and he's trying to lay ahead the foundation before he gets there and to reassure those people. But judging by appearances... Right? How often do we do that? Right? We we see someone and we make a quick judgment on where they are. Guilty. Uh, just just be open and honest. Right? You you see someone that you haven't met before and you you kind of size them up and you might look at their clothes, you might look at their age, you might look at uh, their hairstyle, whatever it is, and you make a judgment on them or you put them into a category or into a box and you say that's who they are. I don't know about you, but I'm wrong most of the time when I do that, more often than not. And I, I used to think I was a pretty good judge of character, but the older I'm getting, I'm realizing that I miss out on a lot of that. And so judging by appearance is dangerous at best. And it comes with that warning. But Paul here is talking about the, the folks that are judging him that, does, that really don't even know him. Right? They're, they're judging him as a critic, but they have no idea who he is. And so, as he's addressing that, he says in verse 8, he says, so even if I boast somewhat freely, 
about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I love it here. Paul kind of sticks uh, the peg in the, in the sand here, and he, he says, you know what? Even if you say that I'm boasting about the Lord, about you, that's okay, right? I'm not ashamed of that. He, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I can boast, right? God has given me this authority. Paul is reestablishing his authority in Christ. Again, it's the same man that just said, I come to you humbly and gentle, right? And I'm timid, yet he's saying I'm bold, in Christ, and you believers. It's a tough balancing act sometimes. But again, as believers, we're called to be that. That is part of it. And Paul is wrestling with that same thing here as he's addressing his critics. Verse 9 says, I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say this, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he is unimpressive. His speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. If you wanted to summarize that, right? The, the, the talk matches the walk, right? That's the, the cry of our world today, right? We, we, we can't stand hypocrisy, right? We can't stand when someone says something and does just the opposite, right? It's a, the struggle. We see that in our leaders, and it, it, we cringe, we get mad, we get upset. And Paul says, uh-uh, I'm not that way. I'm the same. It does line up. It matches. Verse 12 says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Again, so you, you compare having this conversation, and again, he's preparing before he comes, but I love how he's saying it, right? If you, you compare yourselves with, with yourself, then, you know, it's, you're probably not going to be very fair in that judgment, right? You're not going to judge yourself Maybe it's harshly or, or correctly. Right? Who are we to measure ourselves against? Christ, right? I don't know about you, but if I'm going to measure myself, I usually try to pick someone that I think, at least from my, my own appearance, that, that's lower than me, right? Because I, I really am feeding my pride. I want to feel better about myself. And Paul's saying, yeah, that's... That's, that, that's wrong in and of itself. But then also then to compare myself to myself. Well, I might, I'm better than I was yesterday. Or maybe I'm better than I was a year ago. And again, there's some encouragement in that. But really, where am I supposed to compare myself to? You've said it, to Christ. And so there's more work to be done. Verse 13, he says, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service. God himself has assigned to us a sphere, a sphere that also includes you. Paul's widening out here, right? He's talking not only about himself now, he's, he's widening out to the ministry that he has here. And again, he's including that church in Corinth. Paul was always mindful that his showing or his, his work was those churches around him. Those that, that were gathering, those that were coming to Christ was part of his ministry. And Paul had a vast ministry. And so he's pulling back in that, that, 
that church, and he's, that he's saying, hey, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about you as well, the things that you are doing. I was teasing earlier about Mike Picanato, and, and I, I did a little joking around, but I did say the same thing. No, Pointway is a great welcoming church. That's one of the things that we do really well. And we do that well here. Things include church. We support our missionaries well. And so I could say those things and include in that as well. Boasting, right? Boasting in the things that are good. Not downplaying them or, 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 or casting them aside. Also, verse 14, he gives that warning, right, about not going too far, Right? I have a joke about exaggeration, and really, I got to be careful with that because exaggeration really is a lie, right? My fish was this big, right? Or my golf score was pretty close, or my swing is getting better as I bounce it off another tree. Sometimes they end up in the fairway, sometimes not so much, right? So, boasting is one of those things we have to be careful in, right? We have to be accurate in what we say. Not going beyond that, right? Not going too far. And I've been around long enough in ministry, sometimes there's that tendency, right, to, to overcommit. Uh, I just told you I was with a bunch of pastors at district, and the temptation is always comparing churches to churches. And so you know, we have to be careful that we represent, you know, you as a church correctly, right? I'm not saying that we have 200 people here in a brand new building and all the, the bells and the whistles. And again, that would be, be not true. We can go either side of that fence too much. And so speaking the truth is what is needed. Verse 15. Again, with the same thought in mind, he says, Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. I know it's hard to believe, but even in that day and even sometimes here, churches get territorial. They get kind of anyone to come, right? Um, they, they don't want to... You know, they don't want to, anyone to come into their area. It's a struggle, right? They, they get protective and they have, they, they got to come to this church alone, right? Or this ministry. They kind of get isolated that way. Or they get jealous of what's going on, right? Sometimes there's a ministry in an area that's thriving and doing really well and there's that, that envy, right? Well, how come we can't be, how come we can't be like them? And so Paul here is warning to them, but yet not letting them off the hook. Right? He's saying it's okay to expand the ministry. And there's certainly room to do that. There are certainly plenty of unreached people. And there's still plenty of territory that's still not been taken yet. So that's an encouragement as well. And again, that's that you know, looking outward, not looking just inwardly. I think that what, that's what Paul is talking about here as he says we preach the Gospels, right? The region's beyond you, right? He's expanding, expanding his territory. I was reminded again this week, and as they were an emphasis on planting churches, and they were even asking us pastors, do we know of other areas that, that, that needs to be church plants? And 
Again, it's helpful to go and look at an area. If you're going to plant a church, is there any other gospel preaching churches in the area? And if there is, that's not a good place to plant a church. Right? And it doesn't have to be just an alliance church. There are other good gospel preaching churches. Yes, your alliance pastor just said that. And I can stand on that, right? There's, there are areas, though, that are unreached that do need church plants. There's people that are not being reached with the gospel. And so those are good areas. Other areas, there's already good churches there. And so there's no need. It's not the priority. So even in that day, they, Paul is still wrestling with the church leaders and the churches at that time to expand, but yet not expand on top of each other. Verse 17 and 18, as we close uh, this part of the scripture this morning, it says, but let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Sit on that for a minute. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. What a, what a great, great way to wrap this up and a, a reminder. Paul's not only reminding himself, I'm sure, here, but he's also reminding his hearers, and it's a reminder for us today, right? If we boast in anything, really, we need to be boasting in what God's done. Right? I think that was even mentioned in one of the songs as well this morning. It's amazing how that worked out, but, right? God is the creator. Joe mentioned it, right? Boast in the Lord. Give him the credit for what's going on. If you see anything good, give praise to God, right? He's the one that does the work and brings the fruit. Bow with me here this morning. Lord, as it's... uh, Good to be with your family this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that cuts to the heart many times, Lord, and refines us, does that work in and through us, Lord. Lord, we are thankful for the work that you're doing here at Pointway. Lord, we're thankful for the people that you continue to bring into our midst. Lord, I'm also reminded this morning, Lord, that that we have a mission, a mission to reach the lost, to expand into those territories, Lord, that don't know you. Lord, help us to do that. And Lord, remind us that you are the one that gets the credit and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.